The Dewar dives deep into dance through dirty dialogue with guests from all across the art world. Hey, I'm your host Renata, and welcome to The D-Word. So, hi, welcome Dan. Thank you for coming on the pod. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yes. Okay. What is your name? Like, also, is it a different name to your, like, dancing name? Where did you grow up? And... At what age did you start? Like, what was the first moment that initiated you into, like, moving your body? Sure. Um, I started... Let's see. How did I start? I started with martial arts when I was 10 years old. Chinese martial arts and acrobatics. And so I uh, I was a part of a performance troupe. And, you know, we were doing all types of crazy circus shit. Like, blindfolded, jumping through hoops of fire. And, you know... Uh, is this separate from martial arts? This was... So my martial arts... Uh, school also was a Chinese it was run by a Chinese acrobat from Taiwan and so what he he that was his shit so he was like a he was like a, a circus freak like he would climb up on ladders and jump on the light bulbs and not break them and he would okay, smash word. bottles with his hands and you decided to start going to the school or your mom was like go to the school no 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 so my mom was like you want to do martial arts right because I used to watch Indiana Jones and I I wouldn't be Indiana Jones. I'd be the Chinese kid that was running around short round. Okay. That's what I would play. <laughs> like parkour. My brother, yeah, my brother was Indiana Jones and I was short round. My mom was like, okay, so you want to be the kid that's doing karate kicks. Like, maybe okay. I should take karate, right? So I was like, all right. Um, I don't know what martial arts is, but I started going to the library and reading all these books on martial arts. And then she's like, well, let's just go to this uh, karate school down the street. I was like, nah, karate's not cool. I want to do kung fu. Like, that was the shit I wanted to Okay, do. weird. So were I you went, like listening to Wu Tang by now or no? Not yet. Okay. How old are you? Ten? You said? I'm ten. Yeah. Okay. I'm ten. Yeah, I was listening to a lot of punk rock. So my brother was real into punk rock. We grew up skating and surfing and doing all that shit. So. Where was this? San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. So that's how movement started, and then, um, and then when I got into high school, about fourteen, I saw I met this kid because I was writing graffiti, and so I was hanging out with these uh, graffiti kids. I, one of the kids that I hung out with was this kid named Cheetos. Okay. And that was his tag, Cheetos. And he hung out with this kid named Gus, who had just moved up from L.A. Okay. And he was like, yo, son, you got to check out Gus. Gus can break dance. And I was like, what the fuck? Break dance? What are you talking about? We were in PE class. I remember we were wearing our sweats, you know? Okay. We were in line for something. And he was like, yo, Gus, like, show, show, him how to, show him something. And, like, Gus went down and, like, thinking about it now, I know what he did. He did, like, a little coffee grinder sweep into like a into like a baby freeze or like a like a, a half chair or something wait these but, names okay. but to me i was like it was like god spoke to me and was like this is it like that's what, what you were just, looking for oh yeah. man what he just did and because of my background like i could physically do what he did but i couldn't comprehend it like from a movement perspective okay i was like what in the fuck yeah. is this and so then i made gus my new best friend and i would follow gus everywhere i was like gus's shadow and he couldn't Gus was weird. He had like Asperger's. He's a nice kid, but oh, okay. He was like, socially kind of weird. Okay. So it's not like if I asked you, I said, "Hey, like, can you show me how to do this movement?" No, no, no. Yeah. Gus couldn't do that. No. Right. So Gus would be like, "Just do it." Like, okay. He would, weird. he would go like, "I'm like, hey, how do you headspin?" He's like, "Oh, you just do it," and he would go down and headspin, and then it would be like, "Okay, I would try and fall," and you know, and so it was like trial. That's kind of nice too, no? It's like a, he wasn't ever like. Like, holding you back at all, because he was it's just like, good, just get into and, it. It's good and bad, right? It's good and yeah. bad. So, like, when we were coming up, my generation of breaking, 
that's how you learned. You okay. didn't really have, there was no YouTube tutorial. Yeah. There was no dance class. This is like what, 2000, or sorry, 19. This is 97, 8, right? So maybe even a little bit earlier than that. So this is pre-YouTube. This is like, internet's real new, but there's no such thing as like streaming and video and all that stuff. Like, yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And it's all underground. Everything was underground. So it was trial by fire. And it's a good thing creatively. It allows you, because there's no rules, it allows you to be vast. But technically, it puts you at a disadvantage. And, you know, your body is your body. And right, the man, risks. I think about all the injuries that we had. And I was really lucky. Like, I got out of, in and out of breaking competitively with almost no injuries. Wow. Whereas all the homies, broken wrists, broken thumbs. Do you think the karate or the... The martial, martial arts, arts helped you? It was that, and it was also the kind of uh, the kind of breaking that I was into, like the style that I was into. I was into dancing and style and footwork and freezes, and I wasn't really into the big power moves and the blow-ups. Okay. So what you just said, like coffee grinder, blah, 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 that would be like... That's, that's footwork freeze. Oh, that's footwork freeze. So like, okay. breakdown of break... Here's a breakdown of breaking. Okay. Top rock, that's standing, right? That's okay. all of the movement to the music before you hit the floor. Top rock. top rock or, okay. or up rock or there's a lot it gets more specific but let's just call it that to make it easy and then you transition to the floor and then generally it goes footwork power move freeze or some variation of that footwork power move freeze right okay i can also see it in my memory as well power moves are the gymnastic shit like flares and windmills and headspins those big moves that's what power moves are and then a sub like a subgenre developed alpha power moves called tricks or tricking, and those are like big, crazy, dynamic movements that your body shouldn't be able to do. Like I'm on my elbow, then I'm on my hand, then I'm back on my elbow. You know that okay. sort of thing. Um, so I was never really into tricking or power. I was more into style. Like I was about swag. Like okay. I thought, and that would be like footwork. Footwork, top rock, and top rock, right? And like how much, how many counts, or how many, like how much time could you be top rocking before you hit the floor i mean if you were good at top rocking you never had to touch the floor oh that's that's what's so dope like that's i mean that's the man right there like you want to talk about the illest top rocker that i know is schools oh and i mean talk about like he goes into a cypher then the music's hot he might not even touch the floor he might just graze it with his hand you know like if he's really on that beat okay he kills that beat you know, is there like is there a do you have to acknowledge the floor no like, oh okay not at, not at a high level no, no. what okay yeah. okay yeah. all right so i mean because you're like your feet are on the floor you're standing up right so the floor is being acknowledged by your presence on it you're in the circle that's acknowledgement okay right? so at a high level it's already happening now a lot of kids when they first start out they're so in a rush to get down, do something dynamic. I gotta hit this boom, I gotta hit this freeze, I gotta do this head spin, and then catch it and freeze. That's beginner shit. Like Cause they're just like, yeah, you know, overstimulated, trying to do all the tricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I mean, it's like you can, any very, there's a lot of metaphors for that in life, right? You're in a yeah. hurry. You yes. need to slow down and chill and take a breath. And it's the, the journey is the destination, you know what I mean? Right. So. And so, like, when you're doing Top Rock, like, um, is there, like, a specific type of music that goes just with Top Rock that goes when you're, like, doing these power moves? Absolutely. So there's 
there's a whole, and you know, schools might be a better guy to talk to. There's a lot of people who have a better understanding of the development of different styles of hip hop and funk okay. that affect the different styles of breaking. I'm not an expert in that category. What I can say is that yes, to yes and you, yeah, there's absolutely, um, there's whole styles of, of stand-up dancing that have developed from breaking and into breaking. Um, up Rockers was a big movement and it's kind of become, in the last 15 years, it's come back again, Up Rocking. It's like, a, it's a style of dance where they don't really touch the floor to a certain kind of music. And it's all about clowning. Ooh. So they go out, it's very it's battle focus. So you're clowning your opponent. You're clowning your opponent and you're doing a lot of miming. And, Damn. And it's an interesting. You're clowning, you're miming them? You're miming like, I pull out a gun, I pull out a razor blade. Mm, I'm, I'm pulling my like hair, mad imagery like, based stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's miming. It's all like pantomime to music, done okay. to the beat. And there, um, it comes out of New York and out Damn. of the gangs in New York. So a lot of times the guys who are really into up rock, they're wearing leather jackets with okay. rockers on the back that show their crew affiliation. Okay. And they look like motorcycle, like like, like gangsters, you know, um, because that's kind of how it how it developed. And now granted, there's a whole history to, to to this style of dance, and I am not an expert. I'm just okay. giving like a piece, and I'm sure I'm wrong, and I'm, if my mistakes are my own, I apologize, but just like, so for context, right? Okay, word, my yeah, mean. Yeah. Um, let's go back to the martial arts thing. Yeah, sure. Did you, were you able to accomplish any like cool tricks with your teacher? Uh, so I was really competitive in martial arts and I was, I ended up being like a, on the West coast, I was regionally ranked and I won a bunch of competitions. Mm, okay. So you were just like mad energy. Yeah. Like I was since... with, I was like coming, like I was full, fully embodied. And like, you would like go to tournaments and shit like that, like doing martial arts. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then we would perform, we would do these, uh, acrobatic performances. And... Oh, like whole choreographic yeah, acrobatic yeah, yeah, performance. Yeah, yeah. Wow, interesting. So you were like living in spaces of like tournaments, also circus spaces? Yeah, absolutely. And also breakdancing spaces. So here's a trip. So I got, <laughs> I phased out of the martial arts and fully into the breaking and then became really competitive in the breaking. Super fast forward, about 10, 12 years I've been breaking, I went to circus school. Okay. I dropped out of college and I went to circus school. I was like, fuck this. Like, I'm just going to do something all in my body, right? All in. And so I went back to Chinese acrobatics. Mm -hmm. All of the homies that were in San Francisco at the time, all of like a good majority of the competitive b-boys at the highest level were, were all training at the circus school. Ooh. So it was this mad like confluence. Of, You're back at where over. you started. Yeah. yeah. And so would you say that like all these three identities integrate within themselves? Like yeah, they complement all each other? Constantly. Oh, okay, great. So going back when you're little, you're like now hanging out with Gus. Yeah. You're now shadowing Gus. Mm. You're like now 11, 12 years old. Yeah. Um, so funny that we're talking about this on your birthday also. That's weird, yeah. I'm like bringing you back. So then at what point did you start to like cultivate more of an identity as a breaker? And like what, what spaces were you going to at that time in San Francisco? Like what was the zhush of that time? Yeah, so it's a trip. Um, so at that time, especially because like, yeah, you, you go to your boys, you know, you're, you're practicing at your house essentially, right? Like yeah. I was, my mom's, my mom's family room, that was the jump off. Oh, where? All the homies would come like, my Ooh. mom's house is famous. Oh, cool. I got world famous guys now that I have men who are coming up like, yo, like when they're in town, they're like, yo, can we go get a session in your mom's house? <laughs> I'm like, bro, 
there is no session at my mom's house. Like we put carpet in the room, like you know, we remodeled the room. Like there's no okay. more practice spot, right? No more. But we had like posters on the wall and like hit lists of crews we wanted to battle and like it was the job. Damn, it was the your mom was the fucking she said poor, manager, momager. Poor, poor lady, poor lady. No, um, was she she was supportive? Yeah, well, yeah, she was like, I would rather have you here mm, than, than that, on the street. Right? So, yeah. But so that was like how all of we didn't have practice spaces. There was no designated area where you could go, no dance studio, no nothing like that. It was all hard as fuck, floor, cement, tile, whatever. And that's how you got down. You practice. And then you went to the club. There was no club space. Like, so like you weren't allowed to go. Most clubs wouldn't let you break. Right. And you so, couldn't just cipher no. in a club. So circles would jump off and you would get down and then you'd get thrown out. Or you'd have to like disappear, like run away, you know, like, and, like we would Ooh. bounce from club to club or whatever. And like how, like, would, like a cipher could last, like, I don't know, like in a club like that, like five minutes? It could last five minutes. It could last 40. It just depends on how busy it is and like what the scene is. Inevitably, there was a club that developed into like a cipher spot. And it was because one of the investors, one of the owners, was this girl named Sharon. Sharon. Sharon at City Nights. Shout Sharon, out. if you out there, God bless you. <laughs> uh, Sharon was affiliated with a couple crews. Real cool chick. Dancer herself. Excellent. B-girl. Ooh, like, amazing. OG. She had a list at one of these clubs. So okay. you would show up on a Friday night and you go up to the door and you'd be like, I'm on Sharon's list. And we were all like 16 years old with our backpacks and our helmets and like... Like in our yeah. windbreakers, like we should not be allowed in the Helmets? club. Helmets? Yeah, this has been. Oh my god! Yeah, okay, yeah. you got you got the whole like elbow padded up. You know what I mean? Okay, like, okay, okay. Little nerdy 16, 17 year old kids like, oh, we're on Sharon's list, and they'd be like, okay, and they Good would sense. let us in, and, and yeah. we could cipher there, and we were, you know, Sharon was a beat girl. She invested money in the club, and it was well known that like b boys would go there. Wow. And so city nights became in San Francisco. It became this center this kind of safe space for battling and you know like a lot of shit went down there a lot of i mean yeah it was it was cool it was it was what we needed at the time because there was nothing like that that was like formative for you it was like it was either you go to city nights or you go to a rave okay a rave culture in, in the bay area at the time was big and but the problem with going to a rave was you had to dance to music that, that you, you did weren't it. practicing to. So, like, right, we right, all right. became really good at dancing house. But that's also amazing, yeah. Right, so yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. on the West Coast you have a lot of b-boys that their, their up-rock style and their top-rock style mm. is very, very different than the East Coast because the music is different that we had to battle to. Like, you would look stupid if you were trying to do, like, what they would call a classic Indian step to a house song. Like, it doesn't... What be- would classic Indian step go to? Uh, the Mexican. Uh, okay. Uh, it's just begun. Babe Ruth, like uh, Soul Sonic Force, uh, you know, like interesting that kind of typical what you would un- what you would think of as a breakdancing song. Okay. Like classic funk or whatever. Yeah, right. you can throw Indian stuff to that, but okay. you can't start jacking to that. Right. But if you put a house song on, you better know how to jack a little bit because if you can't, you're gonna look fucking dumb. Right. right? So like. Nobody would, wants to look dumb. And you would be in a you would be in an environment where you weren't just battling b boys, right? You'd be battling househeads because mm. househeads would come out and you'd be like, "Fuck you!" Like you're this is my wrong. shit. Yeah, tell me I'm wrong, right? Yeah. They'd be like, "Oh, this is our this is our shit." Like, That's nice. To, I don't have to hit a freeze on you. Yeah, yeah like yeah, I'm gonna yeah. jack on you. Like I'm gonna, Word. you know, I'm, 
I got subculture good subculture. Oh yeah, yeah. Groovers, Housers, Rebels, son. What's Rebels? Rebels? Oh, girl. What is that? Rebels is a house dance culture that developed in LA. Okay. In Latin American communities. Ooh. And they were Rebels and Rock. Rebels and Rockers are pretty similar, but Rebels are very specific. They would wear like suspenders and Levi's tight, rockabilly looking dudes with pompadours and riding boots like motorcycle boots. Whoa. And they had a real vicious ass, kind of feminine, like feminine masculine okay. house style. Okay. And but they like were, they were like brown? They're like Chicano people? Always. Damn, always. I didn't even know this. Yeah, yeah, okay. You, you do your history. I mean, this you is know, what this is I'm is doing. Learn. This is how we learn. Um, so that's really interesting. So you had Night City. City Nights. You had City Nights where you right. could go with your group and you could do whatever you wanted to be doing. Yeah. Or to, you had to go to a rave. Or you had to go to a rave, which put you in a different position. Right. Which creates like a transcultural dance space and movement, right? Like now all of a sudden you have b-boys that are housing and rebels that are breaking and mm. house heads that are learning freezes and beautiful like little, yeah yeah it's, what's the common denominator um what is the common denominator that's a good I, that's a good question to ask i think the impetus to be out and in, sh- in that shared space right like okay like yeah the, because a lot the of accessibility are, the curiosity yeah well a lot of these people that are doing this stuff they're not coming from money yeah they don't want to be home right like this is blue collar lower socioeconomic brackets that we're talking about and yeah. like we always talk about like your crew is your family okay it's the family you choose you know because of the family that you have they're not really there right. right so like all of the kids that i grew up with luckily for me i had a mom and have a dad but i had a mom with the living room yeah with the living room son yeah and then a lot of the kids that i were was mentoring they had less than me okay so they became so you like took my them. brothers, my cousins, like real words. Right? So like at what age were you like really feeling your own identity on the dance floor? Ooh, like at sure. what age were you like showing up to City Nights, Night City, whatever, and being like, like confidence just dripped off of you? I mean, I would say it was, it probably took me longer than that period. Like, I don't think I probably really hit my own until I was probably like 10 years in the game. Okay. You know? So we're talking. Ooh. Uh, let's see, I started when I was about 14, so probably when I was about 24. Okay. But it's funny because, like, by the time that I got to that level, I was done mm. with the scene. Okay. Well, A, what level? And B, why were you done? Like, what scene were you done? Why? Like, I was never... It got to a point where the things that I was really interested in breaking and in movement was anti-breaking. <sighs> Oh my god, I forgot about this fucking word, anti. That's what we were talking about on Monday night. Anti this, anti that, right. So I became, I came, I I had an issue with hip-hop. Okay. Right. What was your issue? Hip-hop is all based off of a name. It's about building a name. Mm -hmm. It's about essentially like creating a signature. Mm Mm-hmm. And rewriting and rewriting and rewriting and mastering a signature. Now in graffiti, it's very easy, right? You have a name. In breakdancing, your moves support your name. So mm-hmm. your moves are signatures. So like I always do this freeze. I always do this sequence that builds up into this freeze. I do this power sequence. Okay. And this, everybody knows, oh, he did that. He did that 90 to flare to 90 to hit. He's the only one who does that. That's his move. To me, that's tired. That's tired? Tired. What do you mean? You ever heard of the artist Cy Twombly? Yes, I have. I've seen his work at the tape. Okay, so there's a very famous story of Cy Twombly. Okay. Cy Twombly, for those of you who don't know, go check his shit. 
Okay. He was very known for being gesturally inventive. Okay. So he was an abstract expressionist. Mm-hmm. Number one. That Boring. Said. 100%, Anyways. 100%. Moving on. No, 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 no. Straight white. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just no, kidding. I love it. I love them. Context is real because you're absolutely right. That tradition is tired as fuck. Yeah. Why like, story, be more goofy, please. Right. Yeah. But why the story about Saitwambi is important mm. is because it influenced my movement in a postmodern dance space. Right? Okay. So, modernity sucks. We can all agree. Fuck modernity. Mm-hmm. Fuck straight white men in mm-hmm. that time. They mm-hmm. suck. Misogyny. Fuck it. I'm, agree- I'm with you. Mm-hmm. But how do we apply those things to a postmodern space? And how do we make those things viable? Because they don't go away. Energy doesn't die, right? It just diffuses into space. Sai Twombly, there's a real famous story about Sai Twombly locking himself in a room, turning the lights off, and doing gestures on a canvas over and over. And what he was trying to do by turning the lights off and depriving himself of a sensory space Mm -hmm. was creating a unique gesture every single time. Mm -hmm. And to me, when I heard that, I was like, yo. You were in search for the truth. Every time I hit the floor, like you want to talk about the highest level of movement? Fuck being able to hit the same fucking freeze every time. No, absolutely, absolutely. I want to do something new every single time. Because there was a theme in breaking when we were kids where you never wanted to repeat. Right. So you might have a ton of signatures, but let's say we battle 10 rounds. Yeah. Well, eventually, you're going to get tired. You're going to start repeating your shit. That's when people are like, ah. I know. I'm kind of done with this. So much to say. Yeah. Right? So when I was a kid, I was like, well... I don't ever want to repeat. Yeah. But if you don't ever want to repeat, you can't start with, well, I have signatures. Right. Well, fuck your signatures. Right. Let me see something new every single time. But then that becomes your signature. Correct. This freedom. Correct. But because that was my signature, people hated me. Because you're anti. And they were like, well. A-N-T-I. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And so by the time I got, I developed to that 24-year-old me. Okay. Where this is my embodiment. Yeah. Where I push back on yeah. everybody. Oh, you're who? You won what competition? You got what? Fuck you. You do the same shit every single time. Bless. The biggest problem in breaking when we were kids was biting. Okay. Right? You know what that term? No. no. Biting was when, let's say, you were famous for a move. Yeah. I went home, practiced your move, and then we battled and I did it. And you did it better? I did it better. I did it That's same. what I was going to say. Like, right? how are people not stealing people's signatures? Right. 100%. So that was the thing. Well, my thing was... If you have a signature, essentially what you're doing is biting yourself. Yeah. Right? You're not growing. You're not doing anything. Higher, stagnant, yeah. Dead, yeah. Plateau. Dead, right? Yeah. I want to manifest, manifest, manifest. That's yeah. all I have. But yeah. because it's at the end of the day, the highest <laughs> level, when we're here in the cipher and we're dancing, what are we trying to do? We're trying to be present. AF. That's AF. That's the way about, that's so the way to improv. That's what we were also talking about Monday night. Right. And choreography. And choreography. <laughs> like, we don't need to get there we yet. We don't need to get there yet. So if we're talking about being or present, <laughs> if we're yeah. talking about being present, signatures is like an anti-presence. Totally. Mantra is great. Totally. Repeat, repeat, repeat till you get to a free point. But once you get to that free point, mantra is done. It's dogmatic. You don't need to kill right. it. Right. And you arrive differently every time to a mantra. Like, Straight. I'm dancing all the time. Like, my way re- of life. We might be related. We might be related? Yeah, yeah. I told you I'm anti too. You know, people might not get it, but um, 
my life, you know, everything is a dance. When I'm at a supermarket, when I'm waiting for the metro, like everything is a dance. And when I'm going to dance classes, I'm going to West African, I'm going to Vogue, I'm going to this, I'm going to ballet, I'm going to all these things. And so the teachers that teach me never see me consistently. Right. So my relationship with them is also kind of fragmented. Sure. So whenever they see me, I don't even get any feedback from them, but I know that they could feel me, you know, right, whatever. Right. And so I guess the point is that like, I'm very observant when I go to all these different classes because they're so different from one another. And one thing, the biggest thing that unlocked me as a dancer was like this one dude, he said, you guys are like dancing like right before the music. You can't be dancing before the music, you can't be dancing behind it. You gotta be inside the music. And I'm like, bro, I was like, yo. And then he continued to say like, the amount of energy that you take to get out of the dance studio is the amount of energy that you should be taking to do the choreography. Which is essentially the same thing. And it's like, that's why, you know, I feel you so hardcore when it's like, everybody's out here trying to do their signature. Everybody's out here, you know, doing this goddamn same shit. But what I'm on is just like that. Every improv for me is a vortex or a portal to freedom. Right. And if it's not, then that's on me. And I got to keep on improving until it is that. So that but yeah. is a good segue back to something that I think needs to be said if people are listening to this and they're like this guy especially right. b-boys Mike is on this. you star of the show uh, no 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 no, no. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a strong cast right. the characters I here. can't hear you strong talk cast. about it strong cast um, <laughs> I'm not saying you shouldn't have a foundational sense of movement I'm sorry I'm not saying you shouldn't start somewhere and have a basic understanding of technique the only way you can improv and you can get to a high level is if you've mastered technique right there, yeah to like okay to a certain yeah okay, okay yeah we can put we can have the we can have the conversation that i'm wrong and i could be wrong i could i could ask somebody who has no training to improv and yes they can and yes it'll be interesting to me and you but that's because, probably be better but that's because you and i are educated dancers and we I have know. an understanding of what that is and why that is somebody who is not and education is important it's good to be literate yeah right and it's good to understand your phonics and yeah. you know phonics can be language written language but it can also be a dance language and i think that for me learning a foundational set of movements in in the breaking world even though i was pretty much self-taught i was still glomming on to what was foundational there's certain movements in the breaking world that are considered you have to learn this yeah if you want to break right like this is you know, plie essentially in breaking, right? You gotta learn how to six step. You gotta learn how to top rock. You gotta learn how to do a chair freeze. You gotta learn how to do these things. Chair okay. freeze. Jesus yeah. Christ. Coffee yeah. grinder. Who comes up with these names? Little kids. Are they the same on each coast? Uh, no, absolutely not. They're not even the same in the same I'm county. Some oh, wow. I love that. So again. every county has different. I mean, every crew has a different name for things. Oh, in so the, the crews are the ones that are making these names and the ones that are making these tricks? The kids are defining the dance. Wait, that's so amazing. Sorry, I had no idea. I thought that there was like a world bank of like breakdancing moves that you could like pick from yeah, and like no, everybody. No Encyclopedia Britannica break. No, okay. Well, what I'm saying would... is like different from plie. Yeah, like everybody no, in the world knows plie relevant. Okay. But yeah. people would have you believe that what I'm saying is false. But that's because the popular narrative now, the YouTube narrative or the, you know, whatever the internet narrative is, yeah. that there is a standard in breakdancing. Yeah. And it started with six step and it started with top rock and I would tell you yeah. that there is no standard because yeah. 
there was no governing body of hip hop. It started at a rooftop party in the Bronx or this house party with Cool Herc. And some kid jumped out and he did this move. And they were like, shit, that's a tight move. And another kid went home and practiced that move, he thought. And yeah. then he came back and did it, but it was a little bit different. Right, a little right, bit right. different. And so on and so forth. A little now, telephone game. 20 years later, we played this fucked up game of telephone. You're like, oh no, that's it. Love it. Love like, it. No, that was- and that's the same thing that we're talking about, right? right. Arriving differently. Like right. always not like changing up the signature in a way. But so if you know where the foundation comes from. Yes. If you know your past, you know your present, you know where you're going. Yes. The problem is in breakdancing, there's a histiog a history his historiography. I can't really say that word, but you know what I'm saying. It's a history that's like, convenient. Didn't know that was a word. It's a history that's convenient that's written by people in the present. Oh, word. To that's an, like psychology. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's people like to control the narrative. So like they put their name and their stamp and yeah, the date. Whatever. That's my lineage. Yeah. And I'm a I'm I hold power because I hold I'm a member of that lineage. Yeah, word. And it's like, yeah, okay, but that's kind of invented. That's so interesting. I didn't know that breakdancing was so meta. Like well, meta, meta, to, meta, when meta. You talk to me, it probably is. Yeah, I don't know. Well, like people. I'm saying, I just thought that it was like more like general. Like everybody knows the same thing. Everybody, nah. yeah, nah. it's like more like it's more like compatible to the where you're from. You regional, know, what up? Yeah, regional. I mean, now I think less and less these days. But, like for example, when I mean, I, I remember. Let's take for example a real basic move like a crab walk. Okay. There's, there's a thousand. What does it look like? Like just walk. do a little. It's like, like if I'm if I'm down, supported weight on my hands. Yeah. And my feet are up in the air. Yeah. And I'm walking in a circle on my hands. Okay. There's a thousand different variations of crab walk. Okay. There's spiders and crickets and jackhammers. Ooh. Uh, there's all these types of moves. UFOs. There's all these Russians. Oh. There's all these types of moves. But you would see one move and one guy would call it one thing and then you would go to another practice spot and the guy would do the same same type of move and he'd call it something completely different. And then okay. you go to another city, you go to LA and they're doing it different. Who's like good? Who like what cities are good? Like also like global wise. The like, most important city on the West Coast for breaking? Don't say San Francisco. No. I would say it's a conglomerate of cities. Stockton, Modesto, and Tracy. Okay. And they produced a crew called Style. Style elements. Style oh, elements. we were talking about yeah. this. Style so the, elements. Yeah. yeah. On the East Coast, you have Rocksteady Crew. It's the most important crew in the history of breakdancing on the East Coast. Arguably, but I think it's pretty safe to say. Is there a reason why? Partly due to their exposure. Okay. Right time, right place. Okay. Very talented dancers Okay. Um, in the beginning. And they were the ones that were there on the crest of the wave of hip-hop. So when hip-hop exploded, okay. they were the most popular crew at the time. And they were the ones that got the backing and, and the press and, and pop culture pushed them forward. And Where were you when that was happening? I was a year old. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, do they breakdance in Russia? Like, do yeah, they break dance? they're fucking dope in Russia. Okay, well, I could only imagine because they have Sistema. Yeah, they have Sistema. That's uh, right, bro. Hey, okay. <laughs> wow. Like, lock, lock, tuck. That's it. Yeah, um, uh, Russian scene is dope. Where? Every major country, I mean, every major country got a dope scene. Like, everything's developing so fast now. Is there a break? Oh, yeah, I'm sure breakdancing in Brazil is like a thing. Huge. One okay, of the what? best b-boys in the world. I mean, because uh, graffiti also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, some of the best b-boys in the world, world famous Rebel BC One champions, come from Brazil. Nagin, that dude is ill. Okay, and it's all Wait. capoeira influence and. That, okay, great. So sick. I was gonna say it's like martial Samba arts. And, yeah, 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 yeah. So sick. So, um, two things. One, who was like your like biggest 
I don't want to say inspiration because that's kind of corny. But like when you were little growing up, like who were you looking at? And also too, when you go to a cipher competition or whatever, do you like win money? Do you win a trophy? Do you win a title? Like what's that? Yeah, vibe? you can. Um, certainly now the titles are uh, there's paydays for dancers. Uh, Red Bull is a big sponsor for dancers. You can make some good money. Like break dancing? Yeah, they throw the biggest jam in the world. Because yeah. affiliated also with like skateboarding, I'm assuming, and like graffiti. Yeah, yeah. Well, or whatever. It's a long roundabout story that okay uh, you would talk to schools about because he knows the history okay. of why Red Bull is what okay. Red Bull is. But um, they are a huge sponsor for breaking. They can they sponsor the biggest one on one competition in the world. Ooh, what does a one on one competition look like? Me versus you. Me versus you. Yeah. So that's. But like, how long? Uh, it depends. So it could be three rounds. It could be four rounds. Generally, a one-on-one -on -one competition, like I think BC One, is three rounds. How long is each round? As long as you want it to be. Um, so you like go. you could be going at it, and I could interrupt you whenever I want. And no, then... there's basic. Okay. There's a basic set of rules. So in a okay. traditional cipher, yes. Okay. Like if we're in a cipher battle, there's no rules. You're not supposed to touch each other, but it comes, it comes from a gang fight. This is where the dance comes from. So if shit jumps off, it jumps off. But in BC One, one guy goes out another guy respects his time it's like a conversation very dialogue based um okay yeah so let's take it back so who was your king and um and who was your king and queen mm -hmm. and yeah. uh John Coltrane wow okay uh, Ornette Coleman okay Mr. Sai Twomley I see you with your yeah. references yeah, yeah, yeah. okay so for me like there was certain people in dance what were you breaking Coltrane yeah. No way. Oh, yeah. I was breaking the house music, so what was the difference with jazz? No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Wait, I want to see these videos. I don't... Uh, I want to see the jazz breaking. Yeah. That shit's wild. We had a company, and, and our company had musicians that would come in and out, and they were always jazz musicians. Wow. And we performed all over the place. Puerto Rico, San Francisco, everywhere. Cool. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, so... So my biggest inspiration was, was, was musicians and artists and, and dancers outside the field, like... Uh, my biggest dance inspiration mm -hmm. was this cat. I can't ever remember his name. He mm -hmm. he choreographed for the Frankfurt. Hopefully they start showing up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It'll come to me. Frankfurt Ballet. Yeah, yeah. He was like the lead choreographer for. for William Forsyth. Yes. Oh. That was my guy. Wait. Yeah, he was my William Forsyth. Biggest inspiration for breaking. Yo. Okay. I mean. Yes, his improvisational methods. I have a DVD of him literally sitting in my bag. The dopest. William Forsyth, thanks for So he was huge. Dance-wise, he was huge for me. And there were, you know, there were other things. Like, I'm all about, like, my whole art practice, because I was a visual artist for a long time, and in addition, in addition to the movement space. And for me, I was really into, like, palimpsest and okay. collaging and, and fragmentation. And so, like, that for me as far as movement inspiration would go like I had a lot of diverse I mean obviously I'm like you're like who's your biggest inspiration I'm like John Coltrane alright that's no but that but, was a great one to encompass but that's what I'm saying the, right? the so where like, you were if you think about like like West African dance John Coltrane and William Forsyth and Sai Twombly you put them all together and smash them up right you have like an interesting visual right so that's kind of those so things fun. that would drive me so I used to map okay. a lot I'd map on walls and you know you come into my room and it would be this crazy shit, like, you know, 
maps, like straight up visual maps. And you were scoring. Yeah. And okay. That's, and that's curating. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I like to curate movement in the same way, right? So like it came from a lot of different places. Um, I'm gonna say one more thing. We could like wrap it up soon because I know that. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, going back to the whole telephone conversation. Yeah. Um, Trisha Brown has this amazing piece called Roof Fire Piece where she has 16 of her dancers are all wearing red and each dancer's on a roof starting from Houston all the way down to Soho. Wow. And what happens is the first dancer starts her phrase of gestures or actions or whatever and the following dancer behind. So the first dancer starts their whole phrase and naturally when it arrives to the last dancer, it looks completely different because it's a fucking train of telephone. And then when they're finished doing those set of sequences of gestures, they turn around and now the last person becomes the first person, so on and so forth. And it's like this, this is also kind of what I mean by like when I say choreography is like this phenomenon of synchronicity that can happen because our bodies are always in choreography to conclude whatever we were talking about on Monday night. But anyways, that's like what it, I wanted to say about the whole telephone thing. Um, yeah, so my thing is always with choreography. Is, <laughs> Do we want to go there? No, I'll keep it short. <laughs> like, no, we could definitely go there. I just... I'm going to put my... I'm going to keep my swords away. Let's take... Let's make it... Let's make it easier. Let's take choreography out of it. Let's take movement out of it. Let's just take like a visual... Let's take a painting. Oh, okay. fuck. Great. So, like, a painting lives in a frame, but everything, a painting only lives in a frame when it's done, right? Like, when you finish a painting... I don't know about that. You were the one saying, like, oh, you could only I'm, improv when... Okay, I'm, I'm okay, telling okay. you, the, the general consensus when you go into a museum is that that painting on the wall is done. When it's done. Right. And it's would, living when it's done. Or it's dead, in my opinion. Okay. Right? <laughs> I think I always had an issue with the framing of something so like you decide where that frame is and then that becomes the piece but i'm like well what about when you went home after your rehearsal and what happened you know like when you woke up in the morning and like all of that movement that happened to bring you into this space to create this piece that to me is equally as important as the choreography that you're framing Mm -hmm. that's all i ever have to say about choreography is that Mm -hmm. it's a lie right yes okay sure because there's so much happening in the process of it consistently never stops never never stops never stops never starts (laughs) and sometimes which this is also a battle that i have myself as a choreographer and a dancer and performer is that there are i mean most often the process is more valuable than the container itself which is the performance And it's really unsettling when you already know that framework, but then when you're like having great performance or great rehearsals and then your performance is fucking horrible. Right. That's when I'm really like, yo, why do I perform? Right. For what? For who? What's performance? Blah, blah, blah. That's what happened at Basel. I'm like, Basel, oh my God. The process was amazing, but the performance, never ever do I want to see that footage ever in my life I get it I've been there I mean I've been like I said like I've danced with companies and I've been in that process I've been in the rehearsal space I've been in the performance space and I don't like it well it's kind of our own challenge being like body dance like being people who work with our bodies correct right it's like, also there's a certain thing that goes back to the original concept and this is my biggest issue with choreography and you know this is mine alone and I love dance and I love choreography and 
but me personally and my relationship to it, like, to me, it's ego-based. It's not about being <gasps> present. Right? Okay, yeah, sure. Like, your movement right now is present. I'm like, babe, you love William Forsyth. I, I like his movement quality. I don't like him. Well, I'm, okay, but... I don't care but, about him. Oh, I care about okay. how he moves his body. But the best piece that he ever choreographed was not a choreographed piece. What was it? It's his solo. Which is? Where he has the cello in the black and white, and it's just him dancing. Does he play well? He doesn't play cello. Someone's playing for him. He's just dancing to the oh, cello. Oh, 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 oh. And it's not a choreographed Oh, I've piece. seen this. He's, like, jumping everywhere. It looks gorgeous. Okay. It's gorgeous. But it's that, <laughs> like, it's yes. that quality of movement that has me interested. It's not the piece that he... And granted, his choreography is next fucking level. I mean, no, I'm about to tell you. No, 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 no. That's, no, no. Your, that's your world. I don't know his choreography. What I know William Forsyth for is his sculptures. Okay. I don't know any of his choreography. It's great. I've only been interested in what I... When I discovered William Forsyth was when he coined this term called choreographic objects, which right. is literally like my thesis of being a choreographer sure. is like that everything is always in a choreography and yes. that we are always you know whatever and so he has this like amazing collection of exhibitions where he's exhibiting objects that never stop choreographing so there's one for instance where um there's a feather a feather duster and when you pick up a feather duster the feathers never stop moving right. and so it's like this whole this whole concept of William Forsyth that I'm like mecca to so but I'm like, I've never even seen his fucking Frankfurt Ballet shit. It's good. It's okay. A, it's I'm sure it's good. He's like, great. He's, he's in an interview with Matthew Barney. Right. Yeah. Of course. Right. He's good at translating his movement onto bodies. And it's, his movement is very difficult and technical. So that he can do that is impressive. Mm -hmm. For me, choreography is problematic because it makes me stop being present in my movement. Yeah, absolutely. Right? No, you're definitely Remember right. Remember and repeat. Yes. No, you are definitely right. And for me, my practice is not about remembering and repeating. Okay, and I wonder if improv and choreography can ever integrate itself to become one thing. Because, like, this is also, like, me, like, <clears throat> no one can come between me and my improv practice. Like, I don't give a fuck who says I'm good or bad. I don't care. It's like, this is my own relationship with my own improv practice. But what's funny is, like, being here in, in New York and I'm, like, taking, like, amazing classes and there's amazing dancers, especially the Asians. I'm like, bitch, how are you getting two minutes of choreography in one hour and doing it perfectly? I don't understand. And, like, I'm there and I'm also getting it, but I look hella different because my improv practice is definitely a lot more activated yeah. whereas like all of these other people are so good at like taking material and replicating exactly what the teacher's doing and so therefore i do agree with you that as soon as you start choreography you're dead so let's take this back to b-boying so choreography and b-boying is about the name it's about the signature yeah and for me i'm a b-boy first i'm okay. not a choreographer i'm not a modern dancer i'm not an experimental dancer what about a martial artist or yeah, a yeah, circus that, but that's that's separate from me being a b-boy is this separate yeah it is it's okay in, it's integrated into my skill set but it is separate in terms of what where i'm at as a dancer okay right you yeah. as a dancer you have a couple categories that you fill right i'm a b-boy i'm not a I'm not a whacker i'm not a vulgar i'm not okay. a popper i'm a b-boy and okay. b-boy is a competitive dance mm -hmm. and we're always competing mm -hmm. my thing is my competition is not with who how well I can develop a name. Nobody knows me in the breakdancing world because of me. 
because I'm not trying to elevate my name. I've never been trying to elevate my name. I think that's whack as fuck because it kills your movement quality. Mm-hmm. It kills your ability. Right. It, makes it puts like static. an expiration date right. on something that should be timeless. It, yeah. Well, and also you stop developing. Like the thing yeah. about hip hop and the thing about well, hip hop culture specifically and b-boying as an ancillary to hip hop culture is that it's never dead. It's always moving forward. That's what makes you want to show up. That's mm-hmm. what makes you want to go out and, and, and hit your tag and yeah. fucking sit in your living room with your notebook, with your homies, and you're, constantly, you're writing a thousand letter E's over and over and over again. Right, oh, look right, at my right, E. Right. But the, the freedom is in the gesture, right? And the moment that you say, I'm competing to create this name for myself and status, hip-hop's all about status, battling and, and being the best and being the best. Fuck being the best. Be the freshest. Be the and freshest. The, Be the one in search for the truth. Right. Like yeah. the, the, in your own truth. There's a yeah. there's this there's this uh, there's a myth about this guy, and he's a real guy, and schools will know who I'm talking about. I don't remember his name, but they called him Man with a Thousand Moves. Back okay. in the day, he was the Man with a Thousand Moves. Okay. Spy. And there's a lot of guys that have come after Spy that have a similar myth, but it, they never repeat. You never saw them repeat. And they were the freshest motherfuckers. And people, like, are in awe of these people. Like, damn. Man with a thousand moves. Man with a thousand moves. And his name was Spy? Spy. Because he was so observant, he could just absorb all the moves. Who knows where the fuck that name came from. Yeah, where? But I like your... I I guess, yeah, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap this up. Um, So, yeah, I just want to be explicit. Yeah. I want to be explicit. Be explicit. I'm not anti-choreography. Okay. Okay. Like you already know who's gonna come at you when I I'm publish. Not. And <laughs> I'm I just and I, I safe star of the show. I respect I respect all forms of dance and however you're I, however you identify with dance and whatever is sacred to you, that's sacred to me. I respect you. I'm just talking about my own personal practice. Of course. And I'm a b boy first. And I take these terms like choreography and, and things like that and I I'm I'm articulate articulating them from a b-boy perspective and using them in the b-boy realm no right? yeah and i'm not saying like fuck alvin ailey no I'm not, of course not I, I i'm down i respect i'm just saying that for hip-hop from where it came from and where it should be going the only way for it to remain true to itself is to keep growing and there's a cult of there's a cult of the name in hip-hop and nobody can argue that right nobody can it's about clout and battling and coming up and leveling up and leveling out and that's an issue insofar as technique is concerned because it's it's where technique stagnifies that's probably not even a word stagnates yeah right the only way to push is to not be a slave to your ego but be a slave to the technique and to push, push, push. Never, never but like, satisfied. Okay, but satisfied. I'm just going to say, like, why why is it that, like, a composer can compose a score or a painter can paint a canvas and activate it when it's up on a wall or whatever? Sculptor Marcel Duchamp makes a toilet. But then, like, when it comes to dancers, perhaps we're saying that choreography makes you dead because you already, you're already lost in the sauce. You're already, like, losing exactly what dance is about, right? Like, that's what we're saying. It's a, it's good as a, it's good as a thumbprint. It's good as a. Yeah, like I'm saying, like shouldn't choreography also act as like a vehicle to like archive and yeah. register, like. Yeah, absolutely, and archive's a great word. Absolutely. Okay, word. Yeah, have, archive. Like, yeah. The you, D word. Yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to have. 
you have to have that along the way, but you can't get stuck on the archive. You can't get stuck on the archive. Like who the fuck yeah. has fun at the library? The library serves its purpose, but nobody's nobody's going home to the library. But babe, because we got www.youtube.com. I guess maybe that's it. Okay. We can wrap this up. Anyway, yeah. I just wanted to make it explicit that it's about my practice. No one else is in, like, obviously nobody. It was explicit. I'm not going to upset anybody because nobody knows who the fuck I am. But in terms of this being a tool no, for Nobody's going to be upset. We are all here for the dance gods. All right. Well, that's all I got, I think. Well, thank you so much. Oh, sorry. One more thing. What? Any last words? Yeah. Wait, Dan, did you have like a, did you have like another name for your like dancing? Uh, I had, oh, I, Dan, I had, the dancer. I had a lot of them. So many. Yeah, a lot of them. What was like the one that you felt like when you were 24 where you were like, this is me? I, I never one that I really liked, but I remember this, you'll like this. I got really famous at a certain point. I ended this competition and I did this move that nobody had ever seen. Okay. okay? Tell me the move. And nobody knew who I was because I didn't have a name that anybody recognized, right? And I was a nobody. I was just some fucking scrub ass kid. But I did this move in a competition and I smoked this crew, right? And we won this battle. We weren't supposed to win. And it was famous. It was on a VHS tape, went around the world, international. Ooh. Okay. On a Mighty Four tape. Ooh. And all said, these kids started calling me the Street Fighter Kid. That's amazing. Because the it street looked Fighter like a move kid. out of Street Fighter. What's Street Fighter? Street Fighter's video game. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Famous, yeah. Famous video game, like in the okay. arcade, you know? Okay. So everyone was calling me the Street Fighter kid. That's and That's I remember having a conversation with somebody and they were like, yo, son, you know about the Street Fighter kid? Like, have you seen the new Mighty Four tape? And I'm like, yes, I've seen it. I'm, I'm on it. And they're like, oh, well, do you, I mean, but have you seen that clip with the Street Fighter kid? And I'm like, who the fuck's Where? the Street Fighter kid? And I watched it with this kid. I'm like, motherfucker, that's me. Where? Like, oh, shit, you're the Street Fighter kid. Yo, yo. <laughs> you know who was calling me the Street Fighter kid? It was the Brown Brothers. Bro, that's the best name ever. Where? Yeah. But fuck the Street Fighter kid. The relevance, the relevance to this is just that there's nothing in a name. There's nothing in a there's name. There's nothing in a name. There's not. There's nothing in a name. Listen, let me let me conclude this by. Can you give me my Marcel Duchamp book? Oh, yeah. Sorry, it's probably in my Jansport. I just want to conclude this um, with a great. Oh, you want to pass me my whole thing? I mean, it's not my purse. You could go through it. It's fine. Okay. Mad simple. What? Mad simple quote I read today. This is Marcel Duchamp. He goes, um. You know, the real point of the ready-mades was to deny the possibility of defining art. Art can be anything. It isn't an object or even an image. It's an activity of the spirit. It's an activity of the spirit. Amen. Yeah. It's the essence. It's not the reputation. It's not the signature. Blah, blah, blah. It's not your CV. It's the spirit. So, Amen. you know, www.beefwithgod.com. Um, thank you so much, Dan. Thank you, Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, schools, for hooking it up. Mic Word. Five, six, seven, ten. Uh, uh, we out. The D Word is sponsored by Secretary of State.